and welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Chris Welsh, joined by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. And today we continue our divisional breakdown series with the North. We travel to the North, the great North. And we're going to be talking about all the teams, all the stuff, all the things, lots of things to break down. Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston in the house. Glad to see you both because we get to talk about Ken Walker and Charbonnet both injured. We did an episode talking about the West, Jake, and now... All the running backs for the Seahawks are gone, and I'm very teary about it. I know. <laughs> we'll get Brandon's take, but I'm very teary about it, Jake. Uh, initial takes on Ken Walker, who's that injury gets me a little bit more concerned, but it's not like Charbonnet is healthy to be able to take advantage of it. So just they're all hurt. They're all hurt, but uh, the funny thing was uh, when we did all in football yesterday, I said, Ken Walker's hurt, but he's moving up my ranks if that makes any sense. And that's what it comes down to is, yeah, they're both hurt, but we've heard from all the reports that they keep, they say Walker week to week, but they've said also on top of it, like a week to week, but like in season, he might miss a game. Uh, he might, if in season might even be able to play, maybe, you know, a lot of speculation, but it sounds like it's not serious. The Charbonnet is like, who knows? Could miss the entire preseason, could be longer. And they're being more close to the chest with what, Everything's going on or close to the vest. Couldn't make it up sayings over here. Uh, but I think the concern here is you're talking about a rookie. And if you're talking about a rookie missing time, even if it was two weeks and we're saying, hey, it's only out two weeks. It's still missed time for a rookie to get into the system. And the thing I thought about, you'll remember this, Funston. I'll go back to when Rashad Penny was drafted and everybody's like, it's going to be a timeshare. And then Rashad Penny got hurt and then he fell behind. And I think that's what we're looking at. So that's why I moved Ken Walker back up solidly inside. He's still at the back end of my top 15, like just outside RB1 range. But as we said, Funston and I both said last week, we had him as low in RB2s. I'm I'm now moving him as a high-end RB2 just because I think Charbonnet will probably be a factor deeper into the season now. Funston, what's the, this is your team, these are your guys. I've also gone, I'm on a little kick Maybe it's going to like burn me a whole lot, but taking these just like really athletic backs that do a whole lot, you know, you have like higher yards per carry, explosive breakaway backs, the ETNs of the world, Khalil Herbert to a lesser degree, some of these guys. And I, I for, for some reasons, I kind of put Ken Walker in some of that as well. Like these guys, that especially that have these questions about a guy that might be breathing down their neck, but I just want to take these talented backs and I want to draft them, even if it's at cost or a little bit above. And Ken Walker was one of those guys, but now you have this injury, but no Charbonnet. So like, how are you, how are you piecing this together? What is changing for you as far as Walker and Charbonnet go? Yeah, Jake's on the other side of the country, but he basically painted the right picture. I mean, I think this is just like they don't want the Ken Walker injury to become something bigger than it needs to be. They got, you know, this is five weeks out until the season starts. He's got plenty of time. I think they're just going to make sure. And especially because the Charbonnet thing, it's a who knows what's going on there. It was a non-football injury. I don't know if it was a weightlifting thing, something he mm-hmm. did. But there, as Jake Jet said, ski? yeah, who knows? But <laughs> They are not revealing that, and that's the one as a Seahawks fan that's got me concerned the most. I think Ken Walker is going to be fine. I think it makes sense to move him up. I will say Kenny McIntosh, awesome receiver, uh, well-known for his ability in pass blocking. I think they brought Charbonnet in because they, they could see, you know what, Ken Walker's not a big guy. We wouldn't mind taking some of you know, not making him a true bell cow, but like, you know, giving some carries to Charbonnet, but also using Charbonnet in the passing game because he's a better receiver than Walker. Well, I think if Charbonnet misses time, I think you're going to see Kenny, 
Kenny McIntosh, you know, potentially maybe DJ Dallas early. But I think we're going to see a clear third down role. And I think I don't think Ken Walker is going to be elevated into that role as well. Would you have any pause whatsoever if we saw that they brought in like a little group? They brought in, you know how they'll do, they'll like bring in those like little group of guys that were to come in and work out for like if they were to bring in, I mean, I think obviously it's different if it were like, you know, the cook or Elliot or something like that. But I don't know, like what if Fournette was floating out there or, you know, what if they brought someone in that would that give you bigger pause to not just Charbonnet, but to Walker? Yeah, no, I don't think they will. They brought in, they brought in a guy from Texas Tech who, uh, it was a UDFA UDFA. They brought in somebody so far. Um, and I don't think they're going to mess around because what happens is, you know, I think that's kind of like more in the season when you want a guy that you're ready to plug and play, but I think they'd be more willing to lean on DJ Dallas, let Kenny McIntosh, you know, McIntosh get his work in the summer and go that route as opposed to someone who's a bigger name who if you keep him around, then all of a sudden they have expectations there could be more than a guy that is holding his helmet once the season starts. Um, yeah. So I, I would be surprised if that happens. I think they're going to be fine just using the bit players they have around him. Well, that is Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet, the news that's floating out. There are lots of little running back news, floaty things that are happening. So keep that in mind uh, in any drafts. Oh, you know, like the flex are coming up and people are going to have to be uh, thinking about that. Uh, maybe you guys listening are going to be drafting in flex, but uh, some of the uh, the analysts and everything like that out there, they're going to have to be thinking about that in their draft prep. And speaking of prep, we are going to the North. AFC, NFC, we go to each team. I present a fantasy or two question that I think is most relevant. These two fine gentlemen can turn it in whatever direction they want. So let's start with the AFC North and let's go to the Browns. We'll start with the Browns. And my main question, I think they're again, like I got hyper-focused on Nick Chubb. I'm very into Nick Chubb this year, but I think everything starts and stops with Deshaun Watson. And here's the question. And Brandon, I'll start with you. Deshaun Watson has an ECR consensus rank currently of nine. If you had to pick one side where Deshaun Watson finishes as a top five quarterback or finishes outside the top 15, what side do you lay on? Uh, I will take top five if I had to choose because he's in his three full seasons as an NFL starter. He's been top five and he's already proven that territory. He's 27 years old. Um, yeah, he doesn't have a new Copkins, but he has an Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore. And you could argue that the Cleveland offense that he is going to run with a one of the top premier running backs in Nick Chubb is better than any of the offenses he had in Houston. So, okay, he came in and off the field stuff, you can, whatever you want to think of Deshaun Watson, what he came into last year after a year off and with all of the scrutiny and then picking up late in the season was not ideal. I and mean, we're going to see rust and we're going to see not great play, but how much are we talking about Deshaun Watson this, this year, as opposed to last year? It's, it's not, not at all. I mean, so he is not dealing with that, you know, that cloud that he had over him as much, nearly as much as he was. So I think you come in, you get a full, a full preseason. You've had a little bit of time, you know, to get acclimated last year. And you also are not under, the intense scrutiny that he was under a year ago through weeks 13 through 18 Deshaun Watson last year was the 14th scoring quarterback and he was terrible when you take a look at that. and he was and terrible he was, <laughs> and he was terrible so the big question is like is he not terrible now Jake so he has to either be because he's nine in the ECR he has to either be a top five 
or he finishes outside the top 15, are you with Brandon or are you on the other side? I mean, you made it really tough for the top five part of it because if we're not yeah, fa- well, we're not factoring injury to anybody, you know, because so let's go down that road. And what am I thinking there is the fact that Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, the big three, I, does he get to that? That talked about 24 points per game. I don't think he's ever gotten there. Uh, he's come close, but I don't think he's ever gotten there. You can check while I'm looking or while I'm talking. Uh, Joe Burrow's possibly get past, especially if Joe Burrow misses a game. That's an injury aside from this. But now you're talking Lamar Jackson. If we expect Lamar Jackson to be back to himself, that's 22, 23 points per game. And now you're talking about Justin Fields. Is he in that conversation? So it's basically he's got to kick out a big three, Fields or Jackson, and that's without even talking about Joe Burrow. So I say all I say is I side with Funston, but that that's a tough that's a tough bar to set when you say top five. You would have said, if does he break the line of like we're putting this as a Vegas over under nine and a half? Like I would take the under question. Like he would finish higher. Like uh, I never had a break that when you talk about fantasy better, regular, better, it's, than, it's better, better than better than nine nine, yeah. nine and a half. Yeah. I would have went that route. The the fifteen. Like if I was betting, I would take the fifteen just because it's easier. You get the injury factor. You get the fact that he looked like junk last year. As Funston said, we still don't believe that's who he is. He's still young enough to bounce back with Cooper now. Elijah Moore, Diamond Peoples Jones, a great team around him. This is a run-heavy team. You know, maybe they decide to pass some more this year. So there's a lot of factors that could keep them from being top five, but probably don't keep them from being top 10, top 12 at worst, which is why the 15 is just so low. The top five is a high bar, but the 15 is just such a low floor that I just don't see him getting that far down. I, th- I thought about doing like 13 and being like a 12-team league. He's not a QB1, but I wanted to be tough because I feel like the consensus has been we're just all sitting in the middle. We're all like, well... He was kind of poop last year, but historically he's good. So maybe he was rising. You know, and I, well, I, I think that's why he's could not. go either way because he's we know yeah, he has hundred percent. That's why I'm but saying we're baking that. in a little risk. Yeah, that's exactly the point. That's why I was trying to go to the extreme to see what side do you sit on. Uh, I took a look here. How many times in his career do you think he scored more than? Uh, oh, you know what? I was looking at weekly finishes, so never mind. I, I screwed that up. I was about to say, I almost had a really great stat. Um, I, maybe I can do it really quick. I was going to blow your guys' mind of a 30-point finishes, but yeah, now, no, never mind. It's all screwed up. <laughs> I, I saw the the weekly finishes, and I was like, hey, guess what? I found one finish where it was over 30, but that was how bad he was. So, you know, Deshaun Watson definitely has been a dude, but last year he wasn't that dude. I have questions about it. And the offense also might, reap some concerns like do you have any concerns about Nick Chubb in that some of us are overflating the usage is going to go up with Kareem Hunt down I think I kind of find it hard to believe Jake that they would just hand Jerome Ford off all of Kareem Hunt stuff so I think you would presume they love Nick Chubb and that he would get more run but I think that is being baked into the current cost do you have any concerns that we could be setting ourselves up for failure at all with Nick Chubb no not unless they sign somebody like and I don't see that happening. Like, there's been no talk about it. But Leonard Fournette, who's actually more of a pass catcher, especially later in his career at this point, um, who's left? Like Zeke's not going to be a factor because that's too much. You're replicating a Nick Chubb with a worse version of him. Uh, Dalvin Cook hasn't been talked about being there. Uh, they're, maybe they bring back Kareem Hunt and screw up everything. Like They're just like, yeah, you know what? Jerome Ford doesn't look great. Let's bring back Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt's like, I got nowhere to go, so why not? <laughs> I think that's the only downside. Dal- Dalvin Cook ends up back in Minnesota, yeah. and all those guys right. that are out there end up back with the teams they were on. Jerome Ford's not Kareem Hunt. He's not like that's not the. He's not the greatest pass catcher. Like that, I'm not worried about Nick Chubb losing. Like put it this way, he's not losing touches in the run game outside of making sure Nick Chubb stays healthy. 
And he's not going to seed passing game like he did to Kareem Hunt. Like, that's not Jerome Ford's. Hey, like, he's not even Leonard Fournette in the passing game. So I'm not worried at all. I'm only worried if, like, Leonard Fournette or Kareem Hunt ends up being the RB2 there, which it's, again, so late. We're, we're talking preseason next week. I just, I'm not worried. Put it that way. Do you, uh, Brandon, do you think Nick Chubb is Deshaun Watson proof? And, in, in like, that if Deshaun Watson is good and the pass game becomes big, you know, and Joku's going, Elijah Moore makes it better, that's going to just set up the run game to be better. But if Deshaun Watson is more of what he was last year and they do struggle, then they're going to stack boxes. Have you not been paying attention who's been behind center for Cleveland during Nick Chubb's career? Like, no, but he's he's at, so Welsh is asking what people, no, 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 hold on. Welsh is asking what people on Twitter have pointed out that it's, it's a crutch argument, but that Nick Chubb had zero rushing touchdowns with Deshaun Watson, a quarterback. He still had oh, hundred yard yeah. games, but he had zero rushing touchdowns in those final five games. And I think that, yeah. That, and six and, and also six games. part of that, and part of that is also built around the Nick Chubb cost this year is the most expensive Nick Chubb has ever been and will ever be. Because all um, 12, I think 12 rushing I, touchdowns, and they all came before the final six uh, yeah. games with Deshaun Watson. So that's what I mean by exactly what Jake said and, and where I'm going with that of Deshaun Watson proof of we, we have this argument sometimes. We do it with rookies. Jake and I have always kind of talked about this, about like, you know, certain players get to a certain point where it's like, how much more upside is there? Like all the work is to get them to that level. Like you kind of love a player when you can draft them and you're like, okay, the median value gets you here, but there's upside. When guys get into a certain space, it's like, oh my God, they have to be magnificent to finish at this level. Nick Chubb is reaching that level where it's like any downtick is going to make him a, a negative value based on where he was drafting. So do you think he, I, so I guess you, it sounds like you think he's Watson proof. Yeah. And I think you could argue that where Nick Chip, Chubb has gone in drafts in previous seasons was too low. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's never had less than eight touchdowns. He's mostly, you know, been 10 plus, who's, you know, typically getting you 1,200 yards, who doesn't miss a whole lot of time, who averages five yards a carry or more every season of his career. Where is the evidence that he's at this career cliff? He's, He's 27 years old, but I think the fact that they haven't gone to him like 300, 350 times, they've typically had a somebody who's alleviated some of the workload. I think we're still looking at a prime Nick Chubb and I, you know, the touchdown stuff, we always preach that that's, that's, that can be, you know, that can be just mostly anecdotal from year to year and not really, you know, something that you, you bank on They're, they're fleeting and, and that can change easily. I'm not worried about that. Jake, what did you project, uh, Chubb? Are you projecting more care? Are you projecting like the touches up or were you playing around with the same numbers last year? Because I guess that's maybe one of the great equalizers too is the projections on his touches. I have him for almost 300 carries just because behind okay. him is Jerome Ford and John Kelly. Uh, I have the receptions right in line with last year. Just Deshaun Watson's style too. Like I have Ford and Chubb about the same receptions, 25, 26. Again, not because I believe Jerome Ford's the Kareem Hunt threat, I just believe that the backfield is going to be third or fourth in what Deshaun Watson is thinking of after Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, David or uh, David and Joku, and then Donovan Peoples Jones plus Cedric Tillman is a rookie, which has kind of not been making a ton of noise. But I mean, he just doesn't need to throw to the backfield that much. Let's go over to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Jake, we'll start with you. This maybe the more important question is about Penny K- P- uh, Kenny Pickett. Maybe the more important question is about Deontay Johnson scoring a single touchdown and uh, you know being good. But I put the focus on Najee Harris, and 
will and do you believe Najee Harris crosses that path into an elite territory this year with this Steeler offense? Because there's a lot of heavy investment on Najee Harris. So you're welcome to throw it to the other pieces if you think so. But what do you what, what's your take on Najee Harris mm, with the Steelers? No, I, I don't. I don't think if we're talking elite or talking about elite numbers all around. I think Najee Harris is a better running back than some people want to give him credit for. But do I put him in the same conversation as Barkley, uh, Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, even Nick Chubb? No, I don't. I think he's the third tier. I think you have you have you super elites, then you have a lot of elites, and then you kind of get into those better than most. And I think Najee Harris is better than most. And we saw it last year. There was inefficiency, inefficiency in his game. Uh, actually, you know what? I don't think there's a lot big difference between him and Ken Walker at this point. Just like stylistically, they're not the same running back, but their inefficiencies where they lack, where they could be a little bit better to get into that elite conversation. And I think Najee Harris benefits from one being healthy this year. There was a, he looked a lot better halfway through the season when the list Frank seemed to be behind him. But the biggest beneficiary of his game is playing for Mike Tomlin, who loves to lean on one running back and one running back and one running back. Good pass catcher, good running back. Overall, better than most, but I just don't think he's ever going to be in the lead. And honestly, I think the downside of why he's going as a fringe RB1 is because there's concern of those inefficiencies, similar to what we just had with the conversation of Ken Walker. They have Charbonnet. Well, he got hurt, but the Steelers have used Jalen Warren, and at times, Warren looked burstier. I'm going to just use that as a word. Looked more explosive than Najee Harris, and I think there's a worry that maybe Tomlin gets away from what he used to do and actually shares the backfield more than he ever has. Yeah, that Jalen Warren stuff got really loud this offseason. Oh, yeah. Of like, you know, the the efficiency numbers of Jalen Warren, and if you just replaced him with Najee, there's really no big, <laughs> it's Tony you know, Pollard big thing. change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's in that same respect. Uh, Bernie, obviously you can speak on Najee Harris. If you had to pick a Steeler that was going to be the best return on investment, that could be they beat out their projected value. It could be that they return their value because I don't want to say that Najee can't be because if Najee returns where you're drafting him, that's an, a top-end running back. But you've got you know Dante Johnson that's being drafted in the wide receiver three range, George Pickens, who's like right outside of the wide receiver three range, Pat Firemuth, who's a, right around the top 10 uh, tight end. And you got Kenny Pickett, who... I would allow the conversation to talk about him as a second quarterback in super flex. Yeah. So if you had to pick the offensive weapon that has the best return uh, and the best return on investment ROI, who would you say? I'd probably go Pickens uh, because I think he could be the best receiver on this team this year. And he's going later than Deontay Johnson. Um, and, you know, he came in with Kenny Pickett. And I think when you look at what, I loved him coming in, and he had flashes of being great. He wasn't consistent, but that's not unusual when you have a rookie wide receiver paired with a rookie quarterback. So I can see that, you know, I can see that relationship taking a big leap this year. So I would go George Pickens. Um, I mean, Jalen Warren's interesting. I think the fact that he look at. Najee Harris is a good receiver. I don't think he's great after the catch, and he only averaged 5.6 yards per carry, Jalen Warren, or per catch. A terrible <laughs> no. number for a running back. Terrible running number for a running back. Jalen Warren was like seven, like two yards better. Like, once you catch the ball, like, what do you do in the open field? I don't think that's Najee Harris's forte. So while he's a good receiver, it's kind of like Leonard Fournette. Like, Leonard Fournette is good at catching the ball. But how good is he at actually, once the ball is in his hand, getting a couple extra yards? And I think that's that's kind of where Najee Harris is. So I could see Jalen Warren being that main guy. And, and um, you know, I'm still going to go George Pickens, but I, I wouldn't sleep on Jalen Warren as being a bigger thing than he was last year. And I'm out. I'm, I'm for the same reasons 
don't see Najee going to elite territory. I mean, they they clearly downgraded his his passing game numbers. He had like 34 less catches. That's like two less catches per game. Played 17 games both times. Um, I think clearly Jalen Warren's going to continue to, to eat into that part of his game. If I asked you the same question, Jake, if there was a value, is it different or is it picking? I'm, now I'm curious uh, at where you would go with the ROI from the Steelers. Mm, I would go for Pickens, purely like talent and upside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deontay, you know I love some Deontay Johnson, and I don't think he's going to catch zero touchdowns again this year. But <laughs> the connection between Pickett and, and him were just atrocious. So like, I thought was he caught 50% of the balls as I mute my freaking dog over here. All right, let's move to the Baltimore Ravens. One question and one question only. Will Lamar Jackson throw the ball more? We know what he does on the ground. We know where the inefficiencies were in general. I guess he could not be more of a prolific passer and still be like, you know, the elite fantasy option. But I think we're being built up that he is going to become more of a passer. The pass game is going to be um, another element that we can start to count on more. So Jake... How are you looking at Lamar Jackson and what he's going to be as a fantasy quarterback this year? Well, you, you mentioned it. You can do it. He's done it before. It doesn't even need to throw for more and yeah. be the number one quarterback in fantasy. Of course, that was ridiculous efficiency throwing touchdowns. Uh, but even without that, the year after, we're talking 22, 23 points per game, even when he threw for mid-20s touchdowns. I do think he's going to throw more. But more is also relative with uh, Lamar Jackson. We're talking about, I think last year when I, I wrote it up, it's like everybody talked about, Let's get him more this year because they drafted Rashad Bateman. He's going to throw more. Maybe he could get 500 pass attempts. 500 pass attempts would be a 25% boost because his previous high is 400. I think it's 401 that MVP season. So if he had 500 pass attempts, that's an enormous jump. But for the NFL, that's still a very low number. So you even get 450, 500 from Lamar Jackson. If you told me that he was going to throw this year, I would put him in the tier one because he's in tier two, the injury risk, and then does that actually finally happen? So that's where I'm looking at Lamar Jackson. I have him firmly. Now he's in tier two alone because that Joe Burrow situation kicked Joe Burrow to the next tier down. We kind of talked about last podcast. So it's Lamar Jackson, and he's the very first one I would take in the second tier. I just It's that injury risk. It's, you know, we're talking, what, three years now? And then do they actually throw more? We've heard this game before. We've heard this like, oh, it's going to be more. But I do believe it if he can stay healthy. Brennan, uh, this is kind of the secondary question uh, attached to this team, at least, is for me built around those wide receivers. Um, our all mutual friend Scott Bogman hates Rashad Bateman. Zay Flowers is there. How do you sit on the Bateman versus Flowers train? And really, does, does can a, is a is a wide receiver going to thrive here? That is not a tight end. That it'll be a crutch argument. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard for me to get the Greg Roman era out of my out of my head. You know, this is Todd Munkin now. It's different. But to Jake's point, like, you know, even, like last year, Lamar Jackson averaged 27 pass attempts per game. I think that was slightly higher than his 401 year because he played less games last year. But like if that's what he's through, if he's averaging 27 pass attempts per game and you're getting 17 uh, completions from Lamar Jackson because that's like around 64%, which is what he's kind of been living at for the last few years. 17 receptions divvied up between Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham and Rashad Bateman and, you know, whatever kind of crumbs the running backs will get. Like, that's just not high upside. And I don't know who you're going to bank on, but um, 
I will bank on Mark Andrews, and I will leave the the trio and Nelson Aguilar and Devin Duvernay. I will leave them to everybody else because I don't. I just don't don't know how you decide. Oh yeah, this is clearly going to be Bateman as the alpha. Or I mean, everybody loves Zay Flowers. You know, a lot of like Steve Smith comps as as him as a player. I mean, he they take you use the first round capital on him. You would think they're going to make a concerted effort to get get him the ball, you know, get him the ball as well. So I just really don't know which way to go with those guys. But frankly, I don't think anybody's going to get really rich off of them. So Mark Andrews for me in the passing game, that's it. Uh, going over to the final one in the AFC North, the Bengals. And Jake, you actually kind of just said this. Uh, I don't know if we talked about it on this episode. You probably talked about it all in football. Uh, but you were talking about moving out the tier, so maybe the answer is here is exactly that question. Joe Burrow, with this injury, looks like we might have avoided something insane. But either way, did you move Joe Burrow out of the tier of those top quarterbacks? Did he get his own tier? I, I don't know how you exactly tier them if it's like, you know, Mahomes, Hurts, and Allen, and then Jackson his own. But, like, where did he move off of this injury in your fear? So the fear is that he does miss a game or two because the Bengals need to make sure he's 100%. Every report out there is this calf injury that he already had taped up before it happened. Is that something you want to be 100% or this is going to keep happening? And that's why he's not playing at all in the preseason. But week one is up in the air. And so I just pulled him out of the tier with Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. And now he's in the tier that starts with him and Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence and everything like that. So, Ooh, so he's below Fields? Yeah, I already had him below Fields. Okay. Oh, okay. I don't think I saw that. Yeah, I, I already went Lamar Jackson, mm. Fields, uh, Burrow in that tier too. So he just moved down a spot. Or two, uh, mostly because I just it's the fact that like if it's two weeks to miss the start of the season, and also like it's always easier. We talk about the running back all the time. It's easier to make up at the beginning of the season. I want him healthy for the end of the year, but it's just that little bit of risk. And this is why, uh, it's because people are like, well, why don't you just still take him at five or six at QB? So here's why: because if you draft Joe Burrow now, this week, next week, even probably at the end of August, unless we're getting great reports, until basically unless we get a report that says he's definitively out there for week one. Until we hear that, you're drafting Joe Burrow still in like the fifth round, and now you have to draft another quarterback. That's why I kicked him down a tier. Yeah. Because if I'm drafting Joe Burrow, if I'm drafting tier one or two, tier, tier two quarterbacks, I'm not drafting a second quarterback unless there's some insane value. Like Anthony, nobody wants Anthony Richardson all of a sudden and he's there in the 14th round. Like, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll be the benefit and hopefully get trade value out of it. But not that a lot of people usually trade for quarterbacks. But that's why, because I draft Joe Burrow and now I'm absorbing a bench spot by drafting my backup quarterback for the first two weeks. And that's why he's more so not in tier two than anything. Something that I made a big change of like many, many years ago, I can be a little injury agnostic. But one thing I don't want to do is I don't like the players... Uh, like you can do the argument, this guy's injury prone and blah, blah, blah. And that's where I get injury agnostic, but drafting a player that is already injured going into the year is becoming one of my bigger bugaboos of something I just don't want to do. Like if I, especially unless I'm getting insane value guys injured going into the year and playing the speculative, like, Hey, everything's going to be okay. This burned me more often than it has ever worked out. So that's something I try to move around from, uh, Brennan, can you trust Joe Mixon? Do you trust Joe Mixon? Um, well, you know, there was the thought that they maybe would move on from him. They drafted Chase Brown, a guy I like, but I think he was a fifth rounder. They are not moving on from him this year. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, he's sort of, in my mind, you look at the last five seasons, he's kind of like the better version of what Lamar Miller used to be, where you just knew, like, you were going to get, 
like in half PPR, you get 10, 11 points from Lamar Miller at the end of the year. Like you're getting somewhere between 13 and 16 half PPR points from Joe Mixon. Uh, and the fact that he caught 60 balls last year in 14 games, which was a career high, and averaged a, a nice seven and a half yards per catch mark, like there's nobody there that's likely taking that away. So I think you're, you're betting on probably, you know, an, another 50 plus catches from him this year. So, yeah, I mean, I think this might be his last year in Cincy, but I don't expect it to be a bad one. I I think he's, you know, this is one of the top offenses, and you got a fairly bell cowish workload. Maybe they'll look to, to, you know, bring that workload down a little bit, but it's still going to be plenty. Last one, this is a quick one I can throw to both of you, and I'm not looking at the ranks, so don't bite my head off if, if you have him at one. But what do you say to the people that have Jamar Chase as not only the number one receiver, but the number one overall player. Um, I'm curious because Jefferson kind of exists in that world. Jake, obviously you could probably just say whatever because it might be a tier perspective, but what say you about Jamar Chase as the number one fantasy wide receiver in the land? Mm, I think it's a mistake, and this is coming from somebody who sat there and said Jamar Chase is tier one of tier ones of coming out of college and the people who are down playing him and saying, well, you know, maybe he doesn't have everything. He doesn't have the body. I worry about the body that he's going to get bodied up off some routes and some contested catches. And like, just stop. Like, we're nitpicking a generational, to use that term, talent. So I'm saying that only to say this is coming from a chase guy, so to speak. And now everybody's a chase guy. But this is a mistake. He had a terrific season last year, and he was still almost a point per game behind Justin Jefferson. If you go look at last year, you had a great season. He was five points per game when healthy of, of four and change behind Cooper Cup before that game Cooper Cup left. I love Jamar Chase, but let's chill out. He's just not going to get the 170, 180 targets because they don't need him to. They have T. Higgins. They have other options. They have a great offense around him. You swap Chase and Jefferson, I would swap Chase and Jefferson in my ranks. It's the situations they're in. So I can love Chase, but to put him in tier one, uh, is okay. I now have him in tier two, by the way. I put him, I actually, he saved the same rank, wide receiver three. He was wide receiver three before this injury, but he went down one tier because of who he might have to play with for a game or two. And he starts tier two with uh, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and Stefan Diggs. But number one is just always like, if you want to argue Jefferson versus Cup, sure, I'm still going to go Cup though. Yeah, and I hadn't thought even about the when I posed this question. I didn't even think about like the Burroughs situation on it. Uh, so just real quick, Brandon, same thing. What do you say to the Jamar Chase uh, number one overall crew? Yeah, I, I mean, I would re- reiterate what Jake said, but listen, I mean, you would be taking Chase ahead of Jefferson, who has beat him on paper each of the last two seasons in point per game. Jefferson has not missed a game in his career. Chase did miss games in his career. So there's two different things, actual production on the field and the ability to get onto the field. Jefferson has beat him both times. So I don't know why you would do that. You know, I think you got to go with two years worth of evidence that says, you know what, Justin Jefferson in fantasy is just a slightly better option. We travel. We continue our travels across the north to the house of NFC. And we go to the NFC with the Lions. So here's my question. Is Jameer Gibbs going to be DeAndre Swift or will he be DeAndre Swift? Let me rephrase that. Will he be the good DeAndre Swift or will he be the bad DeAndre Swift or will he be something that is beyond our expectations, Brandon? So which Swift, which Swifty is he? Um, Well, so the bad DeAndre Swift involved injuries and that's kind of hard to predict. Um, But it also involved Dan Campbell not being willing to give him 
a, you know, a fairly hefty workload. I think we're going to see more of the good DeAndre Swift than the bad DeAndre Swift because the best of DeAndre Swift that we saw was his rookie season, if I'm remembering it right. Like, that was that was when he was flashing the most. He also, you know, wasn't playing every game, and I think he dealt with injuries and maybe some workload stuff. But the best of DeAndre Swift was early on. And, um, and again, and I, I will buy into the draft capital of, of – you know what they did and, and they swapped out and Jamal Williams who Dan Campbell loved we can't just assume that David Montgomery gets the Jamal Williams treatment so maybe you'll see more of an even split there I, I would think that we're gonna get the better version of DeAndre Swift from Gibbs than the bad guy and Jake I wasn't meaning to be lazy in this but part of the reason I'm doing it is because they have got Montgomery there mm-hmm. they've got a back that they're going to use as kind of a primary guy so we can use the lazy comp of saying all right well we saw what they did with the explosive game changing back in Swift so that's why I pace this out do you think it's anything different do you think this is a good or bad version of Swift we're going to see of Gibbs or maybe he just blows the doors open and is nothing like and just surpasses both of those versions. I actually think the uh, wrong player was used here. I'm going to say he's lesser version Alvin Kamara, uh, and mostly because I think that's exactly who he is. So I'm going to lean more towards the good DeAndre Swift, but let's also talk about Alvin Kamara that touchdowns and that offense benefited him. Uh, He's a great running back, let's be clear, but why I preface that is to say we kind of overhyped we got excited for like uh, DeAndre Swift and like imagine if he stays healthy. Imagine if he's the guy. Look at the games where he gets twenty touches. Like look what it could, and it's super exciting. But some of these players never fit that as for every single week. There will be there will be games where that happens, but that's not who they are. So David Montgomery is a factor. I think David Montgomery is going to be a factor in the run game. Uh, I think that Jameer Gibbs could put up fifty plus receptions easy. Again, if he gets sixty, maybe even seventy, it would not shock me. Uh, but I think that you'll see more carries for Montgomery, and this is just why they brought in Montgomery, whether it was going to be Swift or now Gibbs, is to share. And if you go back to Alvin Kamara, even his best years, he shared some of that goal line and short yards work with other running backs, and that's okay. We still talked about an RB1. So I think he's more the good DeAndre Swift, but let's also cap of what, what that means, potentially not an offense where he only scores 10 touchdowns rushing and receiving combined and he still might finish as like RB15 just because of the Saints offense with Kamara versus the Lions offense with Jared Goff and Gibbs moving on to the Chicago Bears this has kind of been answered by Jake a little bit so we're going to start with you Brandon is Justin Fields the quarterback that DJ Moore has always been missing and that implies that DJ Moore takes the big step because of Fields, or is Fields just not good enough of a quarterback and we're in for more DJ Moore hurt? Well, look, I'm no fan of Cam Newton, and DJ Moore was a, you know, I think the quarterbacks that DJ Moore has been paired with have held him back. I think he's obviously been with Joe Burrow his whole career, like, you know, like Jamar Chase has, has started out, like, it'd be a different story, and we'd even see even better numbers, but I think DJ Moore is just a talented guy, and his best career year was, you know, part Cam Newton, part Sam Darnold a couple of years ago. He had 93 catches, and um, so I'm just assuming that DJ Moore will continue to be DJ Moore, dep- no matter what version of Justin Fields we get. If we get a if we get a better passing Justin Fields than we've seen in the past, or if we get what we saw last year, I think we're still gonna, you know, you're still gonna expect DJ Moore to be a thousand plus yarder maybe get 75 plus catches and be a really good player. I just, 
I mean, to say that Justin Fields is what DJ Morris needed his whole career for a guy that's completed less than 60% of his passes in his in his NFL career so far, I think that's a big that's a big leap. And you have Jake, you have Fields kind of in a in an upper tier. I think what'd you say you have him at five? Yeah. So there's a big belief. So I mean you, you don't even have to focus on more here, but there's a big belief in Justin Fields for you this year. It's just a big belief in that Justin Fields is getting the copy paste treatment of what the Bills have done with Josh Allen, what the Eagles have done with Jalen Hurts is just getting talent around him that can help him take the next step forward. Is there a risk that Justin Fields doesn't? Sure. I mean obviously but the thing about Justin Fields is just be a capable thrower and 3,300 passing yards and 20 touchdowns. And if he repeats what he did as a runner last year, we're talking top three. Like this last year's question when we sat on this very show and I said, who has the chance to be the number one is Jalen Hurts if it's not Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Well, who has the chance to be the one that gets his name in that conversation besides Lamar Jackson, who's done it already in those three? It's Justin Fields because – Joe Burrow would have to throw 50 touchdowns. Justin Herbert would have to throw 50 touchdowns to get there. Like Justin Fields can do it if he's just a semi-capable thrower. And they brought in DJ Moore because they realized, like, we need to take the step to make him better. Like some, some the biggest mistake they made with Cam Newton, the, the Panthers did back in the days. Everybody remember this. They did the Devin Funches, Kevin Benjamin thing. Was, he's not very accurate, but so we'll give him two six six guys. And then he'll never miss a target. Well, it doesn't work because six six guys who can't separate in the NFL don't mean anything because the NFL has enough defensive options to take care of those. So what they did is they started getting guys who could get open for Cam Newton. And that's what helped Josh Allen succeed. So I think DJ Moore's a terrific fit. Yeah, and you know, one of the interesting things too is that they didn't they didn't really com- like aggressively alter that uh, backfield and like Khalil Herbert looks like he's going to be put in a position to get more. He's very explosive bad kind of, again, in the line of some of these guys I'm targeting, he like the ETNs, you know, a lot of yards per carry and breakaway stuff, but they got Foreman. They've got Rashawn Johnson. All, I'm saying all of that to say there aren't like big major workhorses that y- you could still envision fields being a huge portion being the number one running back for this team while also being the top quarterback goal line stuff you don't I don't really know if you have a defined goal line back either so really you know the world the fantasy world is his oyster and he can still thrive in the places that he thrives the well, most and Rashawn Johnson, going over to the similar to Charbonnet not as significant but Rashawn Johnson's banged up now it's just more up yeah rookie. I forgot about the yeah, injury. yeah more injury banged up more fields yeah uh, going over to the Packers, and Jake, we'll start with you. Can Christian Watson be a top 12 wide receiver? So wide receiver one, is that upside available with Jordan Love at quarterback and obviously from a talent perspective? I think so. Uh, if you told me similar to your Deshaun Watson con- question, though, I would say no. I would take the under. Like if you said, let's say 12, so let's say top 10 or outside top 20. This time I would say outside top 20. Like that to kind of throw that out back at you. Um, because there's risk. There's... We know the touchdown rate was insane, but that's part of who Christian Watson is. Everybody's like, well, no, that's not Aaron Rodgers. Well, look, there's a lot of things we've seen briefly from Jordan Love that makes us assume what we've seen in college. Could Jordan Love get into the NFL and be a complete bust? No question about it. Similar to my answer about Justin Fields. But we've seen what Jordan Love can do, and Jordan Love can hit Watson big plays, can hit Watson in the red zone. They don't have Alan Lazard, which takes away one of their favorite Aaron Rodgers at the time, but there's a red zone end zone threat completely out of the equation, which during that stretch last year, Watson had taken over from Lazard. I reference that all the time about the Lazard concern for Wilson's touchdowns with the Jets. Well, Watson came in and was like, screw that, I'm the guy. 
So the big question is whether it's Dobbs or the rookie or somebody else that steps up at number two. Uh, Dobbs sounds like he could be the reliable option. Um, but I look at this and say there is uh, significant. He's that good. The biggest question about Watson coming out of college was rawness. And now he's already got this under his belt. I think it's more of a risk with Jordan Love because now you have a quarterback for the first time for a full season and Watson in the second season. Does he take that next step? Does he get more defensive touch attention? And now he's not as successful. So, but I think, I think a wide receiver one is within the realm of possibilities and it wouldn't shock me. Like if you said, does Dobbs finish as a wide receiver one? Like, I don't see that happening at all. And so it wouldn't shock me with Watson. Christian Watson or Drake London. Uh, I would, I would go Christian Watson. Um, Jake, are you the same? I am, but that I love some Drake London. Okay. Yeah, that's a tough one for me, but I had to, I had to pause and think okay. about it. I think I, I'm I definitely have. Do Watson you want me to check the London. link, you uh, Welsh? Nineteen and twenty-five. Watson nineteen. Yeah. London twenty-five. Uh, oh, uh, Watson's nineteen yeah. and London's yeah. twenty-five. Oh, okay, okay. So then it holds to it. Uh, the real question to you, Brandon, is about Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones looks to be the focal point of this offense, for good or bad. I kind of set the stage earlier. Consensus rank 15 and half PPR at running back because of being that focal point is Aaron Jones, maybe one of the better mid tier running back values because of the RB one upside for pure usage, or could this offense be a little bit more putrid than we're giving it? And that's going to uh, have a very negative effect on a guy that who is also in a timeshare. So it's really, what is your take? Does Aaron Jones have that higher RB one upside because of how much focus he could be the top receiver on this team for all uh, things considered? Yeah. He's been an RB one four straight seasons in total, total half PPR points. And he was not that far out the year before that when he only played 12 games, his second season in the league. I mean, 47 plus catches four straight seasons like I that likely doesn't go away and that's always been kind of what's helped the helium on its fantasy stock has been his ability to be one of the best receiving running backs in the league so uh, I think there's going to be enough of a workload 15 is a great value I don't have no I have no problem with Aaron Jones as a as RB 15 I would love to love to have him there um, so yeah I think that's I think that's yeah it's a good value all right, moving over to the final team, we're going to the Minnesota Vikings. And Jake, I'm going to start with you because I, I designed this and wanting to get your take on this. One of the biggest questions is around Jordan Addison, at least for me, because I'm very hyper-focused. We know Justin Jefferson is uh, in, I think, perceivably the top wide receiver, if not like, you know, top two, maybe the number one overall player, if not probably top three overall. So we know what that is. But Jordan Addison is kind of a wild card. I am a big proponent of taking these rookie wide receivers that are all of these rookie wide receivers have these values outside the top 36 Mm -hmm. startable wide receivers. And the value return is so huge. Think Garrett Wilson last year. So I ask you, is Jordan Addison this year's Garrett Wilson? Ooh, I think he could be. Biggest thing, so Punson knows this. I wrote an article. If you want to go check it out, The Athletic, yeah. I did an article on the success rate of first-round drafted wide receivers in their rookie season. And it's a 50% hit rate where they finish as a wide receiver three or top 50, uh, top 36 in points per game or top 40 overall. Because, you know, missed games, I tried to like get a good gauge of it. And it's a 50% hit rate. That means of the four we just saw, two of them should. Now, that's on average. Some years we had four. Some years we had one. You know, so there could be a mix in there. But if you're telling me out of the four this year, who's the most likely? 
It's Jordan Addison, and I don't think it's close. I think it's Jordan Addison on a tier of his own. And then we're talking about the other three of Quentin Johnson, Flowers, and Smith and Jigba, because Smith and Jigba and Quentin Johnston are behind two established terrific wide receivers. Zay Flowers could get into this conversation, especially if Bateman's going to be hurt to start the year. Then I would say he's clearly my number two. Just because it's where are the targets going? Who has the biggest who has the biggest opportunity to share for targets? It's Addison. He's stepping into the Adam Thielen role, even with Hawkinson there. Uh, so I think Jordan Addison and Kirk Cousins is going to continue to throw like he has. And now you don't have Dalvin Cook and maybe Alexander Madison means they lean a little bit more into the passing game. Even There's just so much here. I have Jordan Addison solidly inside my top 40. And if I'm drafting it upside, so there, he's in the conversation wide receiver wise with like Cooks, Pickens. Mike Evans, even like, yeah, in the same conversation as Mike Evans. Uh, if I want somebody who could finish top 15 out of that group, I'll go with Addison. If I don't, you know, if I want floor, I'll probably shy away from him. It's going to depend on roster makeup, but Addison easily given his situation. One of my top targets this year is Addison at wide receiver four, wherever I can for the upside. Uh, you can obviously take any take you want on Addison, Brandon, but I'm also curious if you are in the of the belief, because I think Madison is someone that everyone's still trying to conceptualize what this looks like. Do you believe he will be given the Dalvin Cook usage, which in turn probably makes him like a running back too? So do you believe he gets the usage? And if you have a take on Addison, you're more than welcome. I will say on the Madison thing, yes, I think he gets the Dalvin Cook usage unless Dalvin Cook gets the Dalvin Cook usage. I, I still, in the back of my mind, mm. the longer Dalvin Cook holds out and the rumors that the, he has a deal from Minnesota sitting there, it might be the best deal he has to take when it's all said and done. He t- sits out a little bit of training camp, you know, preseason, because which veteran doesn't want to miss, you know, some some camp time? But which veteran also wants to get, get paid and get the most money he can? And maybe it's Dalvin Cook back in Minnesota. So I'm not ruling that out. But if things are as they currently exist, then yes, I think Alexander Madison will be one of the more – heavily used running backs in the league lots of good good fantasy takes and questions and hopefully a lot of answers given across the north as we go through and we finish out with the south we're going down south in the final of our divisional episode series which will obviously be leading us to into the very heavy draft season talking more about ranks and getting you guys prepped for all of your fantasy leagues you want to be prepped make sure you got an account over at the athletic sign up today couple bucks a month you can get jake's barrage of incredible fantasy things from ranks to the projections you can mess around with in season articles are a must i love i i am looking forward to how jake is going to be putting together the lists that are inside the weekly ranks uh, i think i came up with one that you might use this year what was it like the worst train <laughs> well i don't remember what i said what it was like the worst transformers i, I, got, or something I could like go that. worst and best uh 2023 movies 2023 shows the best finales on tv shows of all time I've already got a list started. Ooh, okay. Okay, very good. So those are the those are the things. You want access to that, go over to The Athletic, sign up today, couple months, get hooked up, no reason not to, and make sure you are subscribed to this podcast, The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, so you don't miss us. We will be back next week and even more in the future. For Jake and Brandon, I am Welsh. Talk to you next time, friends. Bye-bye. 